When you partner with Axon, you immediately gain access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. We carry all major brands and sizes of tires and wheels. We specialize in large diameter wheels for large equipment. We have one of the largest OEM replacement wheel inventories in North America. Known for extreme flotation setups, duals, and triples, we have wheels for all makes and models of tractors, sprayers, combines, and grain carts. If we don't have the wheel in stock, we'll custom build, sandblast, and paint in-house. There isn't a more vast inventory in North America dedicated to helping dealers move more iron. With facilities on the West Coast and in the heart of the Midwest, leverage our 230,000 square feet of indoor inventory to solve any problem a grower may have. Move more iron with Axon. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, Ag Direct can help you finance it. You can even apply online to agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving Iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast Markets with Sean Hackett. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire. They got a couple good things going right now. If you go over to LinkedIn and follow them, you get put into a drawing to win a really nice Yeti cooler. So Sean, know down in Florida when you're on the beach hanging out down there. Uh that Yeti cooler would be coming handy in, the, in those Florida white Florida sands. Beers and thongs, that's what they say down here. So <laughs> I'm talking about right there. That's what I'm talking about. All right. And then you've got and then you've got a uh if you're interested in coming to the Moving Iron Summit here in Nashville, Tennessee, September eleventh through the thirteenth, and you're one of the first hundred and fifty people to sign up for that, Axon will take care of the first fifty dollars of that registration fee. So check that out. All right, Sean. Um Sean is with Hackett Financial. I better introduce you, I guess. Sean is with Hackett Financial out of Boca Raton, Florida. And he's nice enough to come on and talk about what's happening in the marketplace. So, Sean, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Had a good Easter and uh, getting ready for the growing season, which really gets going starting in April. And we enter a different phase for most ag markets as the Northern Hemisphere growing season gets going. And every single weather model from now until September gets microanalyzed by everyone under the sun. So. Yep. Isn't that the truth? All right. Yeah. So 
Um, let's start with this one first. All right. So you've talked about this quite a bit that we're going to have this very intense, um, shorter winter uh, that we than we've had in the past. And I, th- I think you're fairly accurate that we had that December, January, um, how cold can we possibly make it? Um, stretch of weather. And then we had a little abrievement of that in February. And then, you know, March, we kind of got hammered with that again. And then it went from being the worst winter ever to this week. It's like 85 or 90 degrees out here in Scotts Bluff. And it's going to stay that way. As far as the forecast looks, it looks like it's going to stay that way for the next at least 10 days for sure. Cause that's all the further my, my weather app goes out. Um, it looks like it's going to stay that way. And we're going to see some, you know, High 50s, low 60s, mid 70s, you know, kind of bounce on other place. We got a lot of moisture in the forecast. So you talked about this easy spring planting season, and it could it could be uh what do they call that? A uh a, a, a false flag of sorts that leads into something bigger here coming into summer. Yeah, I mean, it looks looks like we're gonna get off to a great start. The warm weather is coming, it's gonna stay. There's always some oscillations, you know. Like I said, the moisture in the ground is good. I don't see any intense flooding outside of maybe some northern plains, snowpack, melt, river, red, red river flooding. For the most part, though, it's going to be a good planting season. We're going to get it, everything in the ground, in time, in good conditions, coming out well. And that's going to set up the uh, projection for record crops. And that's why the grain markets have been pressured here and probably have a little more further to go to, to, to price all of that in. Um of course, the big uh, issue that is the trillion-dollar question is El Nino is coming, but when? And, um, you know, the weather models continue to show an aggressive forecast for a strong El Nino by late spring, su- early summer. And um, the historical context says that that shouldn't really happen, meaning it's never really happened before. It could happen. Not just because it hasn't doesn't mean it won't, but that that that's probably a a long shot. And um, there's the spring reset that we go through. That the period of April into early May, the models tend to reinitialize their forecast and sometimes make some very significant adjustments by the time we get to mid-May. Right now, what we're seeing, Casey, is there's this uh, water area to the very east of the Central Pacific called Region 1 plus 2, right off the coast of uh, South America. It's super hot. It's like plus 3 degrees above normal. and um, But yet the central sea surface temperature of the Pacific, the air region 3.4, it remains pretty much in neutral, slightly below neutral territory. Um, so it's, so the, the question becomes at what point does that very, very warm one plus two migrate towards the center and create the El Nino? Um, right now, the Pacific Decadal Oscillation, which we've talked about on your show quite often, is that cold uh, sea surface temperature ring to the north of the Central Pacific that rings around the west coast of uh, California and the, and, you know, the, the, the uh, coastline of the west. And uh, that remains in place. So that block right now, if you want to look this through, that's blocking that hot, hot water from coming to the center. So, so long as that PDO is sufficiently negative, we are not going to see a migration of that hot one plus two into the central Pacific 
um, anytime soon. Um, we believe that that negative PDO, which actually strengthened, by the way, we actually got to a minus 2.65 for the month of March, which was considerably stronger than it was for February um, and January. It's highly unlikely that that is going to give way to a, a neutral to positive PDO, you know, until we got, got into, let's say, late summer into the fall. So it's still that condition, unless it were to dramatically change, like out of nowhere, does not support the model's projection of a strong El Nino by late spring, early summer. So if that's the case, then that would suggest that a, a warmer, drier pattern is going to be setting up for the central eastern grain belt. That'll start to show up, by the way, by mid May onward, like that's so. So what we're looking for is we're looking for a dome of high pressure, Casey, to start putting itself in the Midwest. Now, the last couple of years, it's been over the West Midwest, and so what happens is wherever the dome is around the dome, you have precipitation. So the last year, the dome was over the West, and so we had the the dome on the outskirts, which was the eastern central game. Get all the rainfall. And that's what it was, and that's what it was. And and now, now the, the year prior, the dome was further north, so the northern plains got it. Last year, the dome was further south, the southern plains got it. So what we're going to be looking for is where does this dome set itself up? The way it looks to us is that there's this big bunch of super hot sea surface temperatures right in that center area of the Pacific Ocean off the coast of California. And if it if it shifts to the left, then it brings the dome to the left. If it shifts to the right, it brings the dome to the right. We're expecting El Nino to arrive. We're expecting eventually the cold PDO to go to neutral to warm, which means that this cold sea surface temperature uh, area in the central Pacific is going to migrate to the east, which is going to make the dome be more easterly positioned. And so, so that means the West gets more rainfall, East gets, gets the drought. Totally opposite of what we've been seeing for the last couple of years. Uh, the question is, you know, does, does that migration catch? Do, do, we, do we get that dome to move further, to, further East by the late summer to where we get some rainfall? And we catch a break at the latter part of, this, of the summer to help the soybeans out or not? too early to call that, but I'm, my comfort level is this. I'm extremely comfortable that the month of June in through the month of July, and I would say through early August is highly likely going to be extremely hot and dry. Um, it's possible, you know, we could catch a late summer weather pattern change. Um, if the PDO were to start to really weaken later in the part of the summer, and that can happen and that could help soybeans out you know, and, and, and give them a, a recharge in that mid-late August timeframe. But for, for June and July into early August, I'm really feeling that the market's going to have to address the potential for a severe drought, especially for the corn market. Obviously, the corn market gets much more impacted by hot, dry June, July weather. So I mean, it can be bailed out at the end if they have a good August. So remember 2012, Corn crop was completely devastated. I think it was 120 yield and it was supposed to be 160. It was just horrendous. 
Um, but the soybeans were bailed out at the end with a little rainfall that came in yeah. at the tail end. It was still a bad crop, by the way, nothing, but 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 it, it was bailed out in the 2012 drought. So that's really the setup. So that's right now what I would be, and if you really think this through, you get the corn crop in in good shape, you get shallow root system because moisture is good. And then you and then you turn the hot weather on in mid-May and then you don't turn it on again, let's say until August. Those shallow roots do not have the ability to go down further and catch that subsoil that's down further down and you get what's called a flash drought. Right now, I'm pretty comfortable with that forecast worth where it is. I'll be more comfortable in mid-May to make a forecast further out into the summer season yep. when we have a, a, a little better handle on exactly with the nature of the progression of the PDO. But I say with where we are today, I'm pretty comfortable by saying at least the first, you know, two, two and a quarter months of the, of the growing season are going to be not favorable at all. And especially not favorable for the corn market. And so uh, the way I'm looking at it, you know, I think the corn market could offer an opportunity for livestock producers. We said on your show to kind of lock in some corn feed into the end of the year. And um, so I mean, I think it could take a little longer. Um, we, 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 we might not get a buying opportunity in soybeans. You know, it, it may take a little longer to get the, the opportunity because the market's going to be more focused on uh, South America's big soybean crop and, and, and the African swine fever problem in China and the fact that feed, meat, bean meal feed demand is going to be down. I, I, so I think the, the opportunity in, in soybeans could be a little further out. But corn, I think, is much more you know, maybe next 30 days, kind of a, of a, of a timing window for playing a very, very unfavorable first half of the growing cycle, which it, you really can't get too excited about soybean drought in June and July. I mean, it just quite frankly, almost doesn't matter. Uh, it, you start, you, it, you start looking at August weather in mid July and say, should we worry about soybeans? So, so I'd say right now, Casey, we're focused on corn. We're focused on, um, you know, and then if, if you think this through, think of like uh, SRW wheat, which is really the low quality wheat, which is at some of the lowest levels relative to corn we've ever seen, meaning that the value proposition for switching to cheap wheat feed around the world is going to is quite compelling right now. And so, uh, you know, I think that's the place to be focused right now on 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 some additional pressure here on a good start to the planting season right on okay all right so we have you know anytime anybody asks a question or sends a question in via the social media stuff or on youtube or whatever i always ask sean or whoever the guest is about that question so we got one here from from uh seb and seb asked could you ask sean whether he sees the delay in el nino exacerbating the downside of cattle are the increases in wheat and corn going to affect the price of beef and also do soybeans have an effect well look if we get into a drought again um it's going to be central eastern based that's not really where you grow a lot of cow right so if if there's better moisture in the western grain belt um the effect of the drought itself on cattle is going to be less less impactful than it was the last couple of years when it was Western-based drought, Northern Plains drought, you know, where they or all the cattle's, you know, pasture growth and the hay. I mean, obviously we have some pretty good moisture out West, record snowpack. I mean, we're going to have some very good pasture growth. So I think the drought itself 
per se is not necessarily going to have the impact, um, you know, as it as it as it has had the last couple of years. Of course, though, if the corn feed price goes up significantly and it becomes too costly to feed cattle, you know, then 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 the question becomes: Do I keep feeding it or do I just liquidate it? You know. And obviously that's a function for what the cattle price is. Our general belief is that there's going to be pressure being placed on the cattle market um, as this drought comes back into vogue and the market starts worrying about it. There's going to be some herd liquidation because of it um, at a time that I think we're going to lose some demand here for a little while. Um, and, um, and so to me, you know, we, we still feel that the, the period, the, the, the spring early summer period for cattle could be a, a period where there's some pressure put on the market. Because remember, how do you really get the cattle market going? It's when you herd rebuild. It's when you hold heifers back. It's when you start saying, all right, we're going to get that herd going and we're going to re, you know, reproduce and, and we're not going to liquidate them and send them to send them to the packing houses. Um, the, the drought would delay that to some extent. It, it would bring some extra supply to some extent. And, and, and that would allow some extra supply to come in at a time that demand, I think, is going to be under pressure. Remember, the dairy cow herd is being liquidated very aggressively right now because the always in the dairy sector or can't make any money. But the, but the cold cow rates are very, very high. Yep. So uh, that's the lower end. You know, that's your hamburger meat style, but it's still supply that comes in. So I'd be a little careful here on, on the cattle market. I, everyone's bullish. No one sees any any reason why the market should ever fall because everyone's looking at endless short supply. And I understand that doesn't mean the, the cattle market can't have a three month knockdown, you know, that could surprise everybody. And they do, actually that's typically what happens when no one thinks something can happen. It's usually when it does. It's always been my experience, Sean. Well, yeah. it's just, I, I remember the dairy uh, sector just six months ago when the things were super tight and there was no enough production and you know we were warning about a potential for a big correction into the first quarter and everyone said oh it can't go down it's impossible to go down cost production is too high it's, it's, there's no way it could go down and we've gone from 24 25 down to 17 18 um so never say a market can never do something it it, it, it that's a kiss of death if, if you say that so i think they call that a jinx in the business a jinx yes a curse all right. the, the gods go, oh, really? Oh, really? You really think that can happen? Watch us, watch us do it. Be careful in the cattle market. Prices are good. Profits are good. I, a bird in the hand is better than two in the bush. In my opinion, if you're a cattle farmer, rancher, I sure just would, you know, I'd bring some, I'd bring some second quarter, early third quarter money home on the farm at these prices. I just think that's the right thing to do. So, okay. All right, Sean. Good stuff as usual. Folks want to reach out to you and ask more questions about what's going on. What's the best way to do that? They can uh, go to our website at Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com, our Twitter page, at Faradex11, our LinkedIn page. Look for Sean Hackett or Hackett Financial Advisors. We do post on all three. Sometimes some of written reviews, things that we talk about that go over these weather cycles and capital flow cycles and some of our forecasting. Sometimes we post some stuff on bar chart. Every once in a while on some of these things. So, you know, if you want to kind of, you know, keep a general flavor of what we're thinking about, you know, those will be places to look as well, obviously on your show. Right on. Okay. Well, Sean, I appreciate you being the podcast, man. Thanks, Casey. Always a pleasure. 
And like Seb, if you have a question, send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at movingironpodcast.com or just hit me up on any of these socials here. You can find me at Moving Iron LLC on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at LinkedIn on at Moving Iron Podcast. And you can find me over here on YouTube, the video version of this at the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. So check that out as well. Go to movingironllc.com. You can go over and see the information for the Moving Iron Summit coming up here in Nashville, Tennessee, September 11th through the 13th. Uh, and, and, uh, uh, Totally lost my track of mine. But you can go over there and check that out. And I'll remember what I was going to talk about here in a minute. But you can see that there. And you can also go. There's a link up there as well that you can click on that. You can ask me a question as well. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour. We're Sean Hackett. Let's move spine, folks. Out. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving higher in the 21st century. Hard work.